this is the third week of Level Up, and uh, we are today going to make up our minds. And, and it's interesting, that phrase, make up your mind, that's the title of this message. It's a phrase that, uh, that usually we use to describe a moment where we need to make a decision. Like, for example, you're sitting here right now going, hmm, I'm kind of getting hungry. What am I going to have for lunch? Is it going to be tacos or is it going to be pho? I don't know. I need to make up my mind, right? And so we use that phrase that way. Or you're thinking, I got time tonight and there's a couple good movies out. Maybe I'm going to see 1917, but I also heard Parasite was good. Well, you better make up your mind about which one you're going to see and get the tickets now. Or you might be uh, in, in a situation where somebody turns to you and says, you need to make up your mind if you're going to be in this relationship or not. Sorry if that hit too close to home for somebody, but you know, you might hear yourself thinking, man, I need to make up my mind whether I'm going to stay in school or just go and take this job. We use that phrase, make up your mind, and it's interesting to me that there's, there's even just in our language, this phrase that emerges that ties together the idea of the mind with immediate life outcomes. And it's because it just reflects reality, doesn't it? That when we change our thinking, we will change our living. But it also reflects the truth of the scripture, Romans 12, 2, which says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And, and so today, I want to challenge you to make up your mind to do that, to let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And, and so today, we're going to spend a little bit of time in the scriptures. And I want you to open up a Bible right now or get out your, uh, your phone and open up the Bible app. And we're going to turn to Philippians chapter 4. So open up to Philippians chapter 4. And while you're getting to Philippians chapter 4, I wonder if you've ever had this experience uh, where, where you're sitting and, and trying to do some work on your computer. And then a little window pops up on the top of the screen and it says, updates are available. Right, and for me, I have this automatic response whenever that window pops up saying, updates are available, and that is to click the little red X as quick as I can and get rid of that annoying message because I'm trying to get some work done. Can anybody relate to what I'm talking about right now? Am I the only one, right? And, and, and the thing is, that's, that's great, except three months later, I'm sitting trying to use my computer, and I'm like, man, what's wrong with this thing? Why doesn't it connect to the printer? What's wrong with this? Why won't it open that file? How come it can't save this thing? Because it needed the update. And, and here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that when I find myself reading the scriptures and I read a phrase like the one that I've just drawn your attention to in Romans 12 too, that says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, it's a little bit like that window popping up on the top of your screen saying, hey, there's updates that are available. Yeah. And if you're, you're wise and if you're, you're saying, I do want to level up in my life, then you need the update. And what we're not going to do is look for the little red X and get rid of that thing. Instead, we want to take it to heart that there's a way for an update to happen in our thinking, to make up our minds and to really make up our minds in such a way that we're setting our minds on things above. We're letting the power of God flow and the update is going to come. And we're going to install it together today, and it's going to be good. And so we're going to turn to Philippians 4. And the reason I'm asking you to turn to Philippians 4 while I'm talking about upgrading your, your mental state is because in Philippians 4, there are four crucial aspects of renewing your mind that are just laid out for you. And I want you to take notes 
I want you to write down these four things. I want you to remember them, but more importantly, I want for you to put them into practice. After this service is done and you're just figuring things out and you're sitting in, in, in your back room late in the evening, I want you to remember these four things and, and engage in them and watch what begins to happen in your mind as you do. These four things, I believe, are the most crucial things we can do to experience the truth of changing our thinking and then changing our living. And so I want you to make sure you're open to Philippians chapter 4 right now, and we'll go there together. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, God's word. It says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. All right, everybody say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice is, a, is an interesting word, but the thing is about the word rejoice is we just don't really use it that much. Like, when's the last time you had a conversation? You're like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I don't know, I'm just kicking back rejoicing, you know. Like, we just don't use that word very often. And so what that means is that we don't really get it the way it's meant to be gotten. Uh, and, and sometimes it's worth the effort to take a little bit more effort to dive into the words in the scriptures and to understand what it's saying. Because sometimes we read a, a, a sentence like this in the scripture where it says rejoice, and uh, we, we might even come to some negativity about it. We hear that and we go, it just sounds like it's saying, would you just hurry up and cheer up already? You know, and it, and, and it gets us going in a direction that I really think God has something better for us. And so I want you to understand this word in its context. This word, everybody say it again, rejoice. The first part of the word has something familiar. The re, right, it, it means to go back to, to repeat, to go back to again and again. That part, hold on to. But now let me share something with you about this word, rejoice. The word is in the original text of the scriptures, the ancient Greek language. It's the word kairete. I want you to get your Greek on and say kairete. Say it. Say it one more time, kairete. So it's this word that's a little bit more fun to say when you put it in this ancient unknown language, right? Kairete. But I want you to know this, that the root word of that word we just said, kairete, is the word kairo, which is the biblical word grace. That begins to change your understanding of this word when you think of it that way. Rejoice, like go back to again and again the grace of God. Like just keep going back to the grace of God. Don't keep going back to your feeling of guilt. Don't keep going back to your self-condemning ways. Don't keep going back to that critical spirit. No, no, go back again and again to the grace of God. Man, that's, the, that's where things begin to change in your mind when you actually do this, when you are taking in the richness of God's grace. One Greek scholar named Spiros Zoriates, who's Greek, said, look, I know my language, and you need to understand this word this way. He said, this word needs to be understood as to delight in and experience and be conscious of God's grace and favor. When you read the word rejoice, it's pointing you to the grace of God and to living in the conscious reality of God's willingness to be the blessing in your life. So let's talk about grace for a minute. You're all right with that. Grace is getting blessing and goodness that you did not do anything to deserve or earn. It's good. 
I mean, does anybody here like getting things that are good and blessings that are good that you didn't do anything to deserve or earn? You can be honest in church. In fact, you better be, right? Yeah, most of us do enjoy receiving blessing and that which is good that we didn't do anything to deserve or pay for or earn. And, and the greatest element of God's grace is the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. And it is a gift. We don't do anything to earn it or deserve it. God wasn't waiting for you to clean up your act and prove that you deserve to be saved before he reached in. He came while we were yet sinners. That's what the scriptures say. And we need to embrace it, how good God's grace is, that it is his unmerited favor coming our way, not because we deserved it, but because of how good he is. It's more of a reflection of God's character than any reflection of our lack. And we need to see God that way as one who is so full of grace to us. And we need to change our thinking and ground our thinking in God's grace. You want to recalibrate your mind? Ground my thinking in God's grace. Just take a note together. Ground my thinking in God's grace. And I want you to say something out loud with me. Say, I'm going to ground my thinking in God's grace. Say it. I'm going to ground my thinking in God's grace. It changes your mindscape when you do, when you ground your thinking in God's grace. Uh, let me just share the scripture in Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. It says, because of God's great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. Say the last part out loud. Say it. It is by grace you have been saved. We always need to Go back to, again and again, that truth that God has poured out his love on you, not because of anything you did, but because of who he is. And when you ground your thinking in God's grace, there's freedom. And in fact, there's so much blessing that comes when you ground your thinking in God's grace. I want to just name off for you, in rapid fashion, seven benefits that come when you ground your thinking in God's grace. First of all, when you ground your thinking in God's grace, you know you're forgiven. First and foremost, number one, you know you're forgiven. And you're able to say, well, I just woke up. His mercies are new every morning, and I'm forgiven again today. Do you know how freeing that is? To be able to say, I know I have a feeling like I should feel like I, could, I should carry around this guilt, but I don't have to because I know I'm forgiven. When you ground your thinking in God's grace, you enjoy that freedom from guilt and shame, and you know you're forgiven. Number two, when you ground your thinking in God's grace, you're able to anticipate his blessings. You're not thinking to yourself, well, I wonder when the shoe's gonna drop and when I'm gonna get kicked because of the, this or that. Instead, you have a mentality where I know that God's grace is a reflection of God's character. And so I'm anticipating how he's gonna bless me in my life. That's how we're actually made to live, to live with an anticipation of how God's blessing will flow. Did you know Isaiah 30 verse 18 says, God longs to be gracious to you. Do you accept the revelation of God's word or not? This is what his word says about him, that God longs to be gracious to you, that he's looking forward to the ways that he can bring his blessing into your life. Do you believe that about God? Because I want to challenge you today to ground your thinking in God's grace and know that he's true to his character as expressed in his word. And you have a right, and, and it's right for you to anticipate God's blessing. And number three, uh, if you ground your thinking in God's grace, you have assurance of God's help. 
When you're grounding your thinking in God's grace, you have assurance of God's help. When you don't have your thinking grounded in God's grace, you believe the lie that it's all on you. But when you ground your thinking in God's grace, you receive the truth of his word. Hebrews 4.16 says, come on, let's go boldly into the throne of God. And there we will find grace to help us in our time of need. Anybody need some help from God? Well, guess what? When you ground your thinking in God's grace, you know that his help is there because it's a reflection of who God is. And when you ground your thinking in God's grace, number four, you begin to expect God's favor. You expect God's favor. Why? Because you understand that his grace is a reflection of his character, and his character is such full of love that we have a right anticipation for his, for his favor in our lives. Ephesians 1.3 says, he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, come on, if he's blessed me with every spiritual blessing in Christ, why would I not have an anticipation of his favor flowing into my life circumstance? This is right and good. If I ground my thinking in God's grace, number five, I get rid of the voice of self-condemnation. If I ground my thinking in God's grace, I get rid of the voice of self-condemnation. Here's what I mean. If I don't ground my thinking in God's grace, I run around thinking, man, I deserve this bad thing. Look what I did, I deserve. That doesn't do us any good. But when we ground our thinking in God's grace, we get rid of that voice of self-condemnation because we understand the truth that we're in Christ and if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation and that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so when we ground our thinking in God's grace, number six, we let go of the fear of punishment. Do you know when we're nursing the fear of punishment in our relationship with God, we're actually denying the efficacy of the cross. Because in the cross of Jesus, Jesus paid the full price for all of our sin, shame, guilt, iniquity, all of it. And Psalm 103 verse 10 was prophetic as it said, he does not treat us according to our sins or punish us according to our iniquities. Like this is, this is just a revelation of the Bible, of who God is, what he's like. And when you ground your thinking on God's grace, you let go of that fear of punishment. And number seven, when you ground your thinking in God's grace, you get off of the rat race of personal performance before God. You know that thing where you think, well, in order to get God to bless me, I need to do these five spiritual things for him first. And then if I do them well enough, maybe he'll bless me. That is not the gospel. That's a bunch of baloney. But when you ground your thinking in the grace of God, you know that his grace is an expression of his character. And, and so you can get off of the performance rat race. Yes, you're still going to strive to do well, but you know that God's willingness to bless you is not based on that. Do, do you see how if you could put grace into your mind and let it grow, your thoughts would change. Your mindscape would change you will be healthier, you will stand taller, and you will be full of joy. 
So the scripture says, be full of joy always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. Keep going back to again and again that grace of God. And don't ever make light of it. Take it for all it's worth. Enjoy all of the goodness of God's grace. I'll tell you what, uh, a couple weeks ago, we were gonna do a family road trip and we were gonna drive up to Utah, to the mountains and to the snow and, and um, it was gonna be a long road trip. The thing is, my car is about 10 years old, my wife's car is about seven years old and both of them are going on about 100 miles or 100,000 miles and neither of them are four wheel drive. And so I'm thinking about this drive up into the mountains in Utah and I'm thinking, I don't know if we should do it. And I was talking to a friend and this, uh, talking about this situation and this friend uh, happens to own the GMC dealership in Temecula and uh, telling him about the circumstance and and he decided, you know what, oh, I'm, I'm gonna take care of you. You can borrow a four-wheel drive vehicle from the dealership for a week. And so this, this friend of mine, he loaned us a 2020 GMC Yukon XL Denali four-wheel drive for a week. You know how awesome that was to drive that thing? I mean, it was pretty amazing. I felt like I was in a presidential motorcade all day, every day, right? <laughs> and I'm driving this vehicle and, and it's like such an amazing thing to drive around in. And what's awesome about it is I didn't do anything to deserve that. I didn't put any payment in. I didn't make any down payment. There was no bill outstanding. It was just a blessing. It was just grace from somebody who had the resource and ability to provide it. And, and it was so fun to just drive that vehicle. I felt so blessed driving and enjoying that. Hadn't had an experience like that before. And, and then when we got up to the icy, snowy parts of, of those mountain roads, can I tell you how incredible it felt to just click a dial and boom, I'm in four-wheel drive. Wow, like I could suddenly feel this surge of I felt like I was now in a presidential motorcade tank, right? And man, it was just so incredible. And then, can I tell you, when, when, when it was the morning and it was negative seven degrees in Utah, can I tell you how amazing it was to press a button and all of a sudden, butt warmers came on. <laughs> like, that was awesome. It's incredible. And I did not do a thing to deserve it or earn it or pay for it or make a deposit on it. It was just grace. But, but listen, could you imagine though, if I, if I said to myself, well, you know, I'm very grateful that I got to have this car and it's nice enough that I got to have this car, but I, I really don't deserve to be able to put it in four wheel drive. I just, I, I, I don't deserve that. Oh, I, I'm, I'm happy enough just to have the car. I really, I haven't earned the right to, to turn on the butt warmers. I just don't deserve that, right? Like, I, I, that would be crazy, wouldn't it? But we kind of do that a little bit in our relationship with God. And we're kind of going, well, I, you know, it's nice enough that you're willing to let me go to heaven one day when I die. But I, I really haven't done enough to deserve to, to be able to have the four-wheel drive. You know, we, we kind of do that a little bit. And it represents a lack of grounding our thinking in God's grace, and so today I want to urge you, let, let his grace be the foundation for your life and ground your thinking in his grace. And what that means is the anticipation of his good coming into your life in real-time ways. This is part of what you and I are made for. Let me take you back to the scripture in Philippians chapter 4. Again, in, in, uh, in verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 6, he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. 
His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. When we're talking about being transformed into new people by changing the way we think, at the core is this need we have for that, for a peace that isn't bound by our circumstances, but a peace that, like the older translation says, passes all understanding. It's like hard to even figure out, where did this even come from? But but if we reached a little further back, we'd be talking about the Old Testament word, shalom. And really, there's this consistent thread throughout Scripture that the character and heart of God is to provide for you and I something that we can't make up for ourselves in our minds, and it is his shalom. It is that, that inner sense of calm and wholeness, knowing that I am safe in God's love and care. And when you have that shalom, that peace that passes understanding in your mind, your mind is able to operate the way it was made to. But there is, there is a reality that you need to embrace, that, that that peace comes in his presence. And part of what we just read is, is important, too, in terms of how we deepen the experience of that peace. Let me just have us read it together again. Verse six. In fact, why don't you read it out loud with me? Philippians four, verse six. Ready, go. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Tell God what you need. Tell him what you need. You know, Jesus says in in Matthew six, Your father in heaven already knows whatever you need before you even ask. But Jesus does not say, so don't bother him. (laughs) No. We are called into a relationship with our father in heaven, our daddy. And in that relationship, nothing is is out of bounds to bring to him. And one of the healthiest things we can do is to get good and identifying the needs in our life, and then saying it to God. Name your needs to God. You want your mind to be healthy? Don't let the needs just stay inside as a weight and a pressure. Instead, bring them out and name your needs to God. That's the second component of this mindset shift, this mental renewal, this way of changing your thinking to change your living. Name your needs to God. All of us have needs. I mean, we're sitting here right now, and we're at church, but our minds are beginning to spin a little bit like we need the money for the bills. We need that deal to come through. We need this thing that's going on with our spouse to finally get resolved. We need our daughter to come home. We need that addiction to get broken. We, we need a solution to this problem. We, I mean, it goes on and on. And what happens is those needs are inside of us, and when they're inside of us, they do feel like weight. They feel like pressure. And we need to open the pressure valve and let the pressure come out. And the way you do it is to name the needs to God. That's what the scripture says. I mean, it couldn't get any more direct than the New Living Translation. Tell God what you need. Don't keep it bottled up inside. Be in relationship with him and let him know that you know that he's the one who provides all of those things, whatever it is. 
Because as you name your needs to God, you're identifying the provider for who he is, and you're letting yourself off the hook from the pressure of thinking that you're the one who has to make it happen. It changes your mindscape. It's like the clouds and the fog get blown away and the sun shines again. When you offload those needs, externalizing them, giving them to God, as the older translation says, with everything, by prayer and petition, make your requests to God. You get healthy to the degree that you begin to offload those pressures of those needs to your Father in heaven. So, so name the needs to God. I remember in my early years of being married to my wife, we had a really rough time the first year or so. And it was a lot of contention all the time. And we were too young to really figure out what it was all about. But we got some counseling and we, we received that important advice, which is these issues are all about that you have needs and you have needs and you're not talking about them. And the needs are just staying locked up inside of you rather than being expressed. And they're causing resentment, they're causing pressure. And this counselor just guided us in naming what we need, saying it out loud, and then relief began to come. But in our relationship with God, the same principle holds. We need to be able to name our needs and see him show his faithfulness as we do. Okay, so back to the scripture in Philippians 4. It said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything and tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Read that last part after me. Thank him for all he's done. Say that. Thank him for all he has done. So the third component of this mindset shift, changing your thinking to change your living, is I give my gratitude to God. Pure and simple. I give my gratitude to God. Your gratitude is powerful. And it's powerful because it dislodges your thinking from one whole realm of thought named negativity and shifts it into the realm of something positive. Yeah. At the core, it does that. But more importantly, when you give your gratitude to God, when I give my gratitude to God, I'm expressing testimony. I'm basically saying, God, you've done great things in my life. I've seen you do it. And that begins to catalyze a sense of faith for what he can yet do now. When I give my gratitude to God, I am identifying that my life does not just consist in these troubles and these difficulties, but that it also consists in these benefits, these things that are good. I think the reason why the scripture says this, thank God for what he's done, is because God knows how our minds are. Did you know that in the Bible, there are 33 verses that explicitly say, as a mandate, give thanks to the Lord. 33 times. It's like one for every day of the month, plus and minus leap year, and an extra for when you forget, right? Like, it's that important. But hundreds of times throughout the Bible, the idea of being thankful to God is presented as the norm. And it's because God knows how our minds can tend to be. 
God knows that our minds can have a tendency to drift and to drift into a, a vortex around this isn't going right and that is probably going to go wrong and I'm concerned about this, I'm annoyed about that. And God knows what happens to us when our minds go there. When, when you stay in that place of negativity, you can't even help it. Your brain begins to send signals to your body to release cortisol, the stress hormone. And you end up with blood pressure rising. You end up with, with a sick feeling inside of you. It, there's a physiology about it. But when you give thanks to the Lord, you can't even help it. You're identifying positive things that have happened and God's involvement in it. And all of a sudden, without even trying, your body begins to release endorphins. And your whole inner physiology of your brain changes just by doing what God's word says. So somebody give him your thanks and watch him shift things. You can say amen right now. God's doing us solid by calling us to be those who would give him thanks because it's going to be good for us. It's going to change you. It's going to allow you to level up because it causes you to set your eyes on something above the things that right now seem to not be going so well. And it's going to allow you to experience his grace all the more. Philippians 4.8 then says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Okay, so here the scripture is saying, listen, to calibrate your thoughts, you need the right content. <laughs> I mean, that's the pure and simple of it. And, and God is here in his word giving us eight categories that we could just pick one of and it would do us right. It's a choice though. Your, your thought will be your choice. And God is saying, well, here, let me give you some starter ideas, <laughs> things that would actually help you if you'd, if you'd grab one of these. And so uh, the, the fourth component of this mindset shift is to put your mind on what is positive. I mean, as you read this list, that's the upshot here. Is it, all of those things are overwhelmingly positive. And if you just zoomed out for a minute, it is like as though God and his wisdom of his word is saying, you need this more than you know. You, you need this because otherwise, it, it's, you're going to just suck up a bunch of gravel. And it's not going to do you right. Okay, so this past summer, we went on a, a family trip out to the river, and we were at Bullhead City, Laughlin, that area. And uh, for that week, we uh, borrowed a friend's jet ski. There's kind of a theme in my life, you can see, right? But and anyway, we, we borrowed our friend's jet ski for the week and used it there. And we were having a great time. And there's this one place uh, at, in, near Laughlin, Bullhead City, where there's this little island that goats live on. And then there's this kind of little you know, waterway behind the little island, and you could kind of zip around there. And, and I wanted to take my daughter and show her the goats. And so we went on the jet ski together. We went down to the goat island, and, and the goats were up here, and they weren't listening to me. I was trying to get their attention. And so I'm like, well, let's just go around the thing. We went around the thing, and the goats still weren't listening. So then I started, like, talking goat. I'm like, ah! You know? And then they started looking at me, and then it got me afraid. And we had zoomed up really close to the edge of that thing, and so I throttled it to get away from the goats that were now coming to attack me. <laughs> and right when I throttled it, I heard the sound that sounded like a, a commercial blender in a kitchen, right? It was the jet ski motor sucking up gravel 
and it did not sound good. And all I knew is that what happened next is that we couldn't really hardly move except at about five miles an hour. Long story short, brought the jet ski back and to a mechanic, and I had ruined the motor by sucking up gravel. Ended up spending 350 bucks on a repair. In a sense, if you fail to take God's word to heart, in Philippians 4, 8, and instead just decide to let your, let your thoughts be about the catastrophes that might happen and the terrible things that those people are doing and the difficulties that'll probably never result. If you let yourself go there, you're basically just sucking up gravel and it's going to mess you up. And so God's word is for our benefit saying, put your mind on what's positive. Here's eight categories. So for example, I mean, one of them was, if, if anything, it's excellent. Isn't that nice of God? Like anything. Because we think anything, and when we add in church, right, to the end of it. God's, if anything. So right now, like what's excellent to you? Anything. Maybe somebody, you know, but, but zoom out a little bit more. Like just think of something excellent. Somebody's thinking of like a Lamborghini, right? Good. That's excellent. It said anything. Somebody talks about riding, riding, being out on the freeway on the motorcycle, right? Just the, the feeling. What would it be if anything's excellent? And God is, in a sense, saying, right, those things, go there. Maybe somebody else, you're thinking of like a, a, a beautiful lake up in the mountains, you know? That's excellent, admirable, that's praiseworthy. And just think of that excellent thing for a moment, right? As you do that, it seems to put the other things on hold, doesn't it? Now, think about whatever is excellent, that thing you had in your mind, and kind of zoom in on it. Maybe it was that, that mountain lake. And now imagine yourself walking right up to the water and just sort of splashing. Can you feel the cool temperature of that water and the crispness of the air around you? <laughs> maybe as you're thinking about what was excellent, maybe it was that, that, that car. You know, Now picture yourself just sitting in there and pressing the gas pedal and hearing the, the engine roar. That excellent thing, right? When, when you do what God's word says and you think about those things, other things lose the place. And this is the kind of discipline that we're made for, is to live this way. Now, I want to take a couple of minutes right now and ask you to just recalibrate your mind around these four ideas that we just talked about. So I'd like us to do that while we pray together. And I need you to kind of lean in in this moment, maybe even sit up in your chair, not be passive. The passive receive the message mode is over. And now you sit up and you're like, okay, I'm at the gym. I'm ready to work on this thing. That's what we're going to do right now. So would you pray with me and let's work on this in the spirit together. So God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the, the beauty of your word. And I thank you, God, for the call to be full of joy in the Lord always. Rejoice. But we know that what that's really about is just coming back again and again to your grace. And so we're doing it right now. We're going to ground our thinking in your grace, God. Right now while we're sitting together, I want you to just ground your thinking in God's grace by, for starters, embracing how forgiven you really are.
while we were yet sinners, he died for the ungodly. He wasn't waiting for you to fix it all. And as you're grounding your thinking in God's grace, I want you to just simply say, I believe that I'm forgiven. Just say it. I believe that I'm forgiven. Say it one more time. I believe that I'm forgiven. Say it with me again. I believe that I'm forgiven. Through Jesus Christ, the price he paid, why would I try to keep putting my pennies on the table with, when he laid down his matchless, priceless life to pay for what is a gift? Just say it again. I believe I'm forgiven. Now, when you ground your thinking in God's grace, it's also about anticipating his blessing, getting rid of the fear of punishment, but instead anticipating his blessing. Now, I want you to just ground your thinking in God's grace for a minute and say this. Say, God, I believe you're willing to bless me. Just say it. God, I believe you're willing to bless me. Say it one more time. God, I believe you're willing to bless me. Say it again. God, I believe you're willing to bless me. Now, I want you to smile and say it at the same time. For real. Do that. Smile and say it. Go. God, I believe you're willing to bless me. Doesn't that feel good? But really, that's like the childlike posture of faith. Isn't it? Ground your thinking in that grace of God. And now, name your needs to God. We all have them. And for some of us, the needs are bottled up inside and they're causing a lot of pressure and pain. Right now, would you just take a minute and just name your needs to God? This one, maybe we won't do all together, but I want you to, if you have the courage, just open up your mouth and say, God, I need, and then fill in the blanks. Just right now, begin to do that. Just say it out loud, or if it's too private, you can say it silently in your mind. But God, I need, and say it. God, I need help to break this addiction. God, I need you to provide that job. God, I, I need friends in my life. God, I need you to come through in this appointment on Tuesday. God, I need for you to repair this brokenness in this marriage. God, I need you to bring her home. God, I, say it. What what is it? Just name your needs to God. God, I need externalize them. Get them out of where they're causing you all the pressure. Give your burden over to him. Name your needs. And now, give your gratitude to God. This we probably can do together. But I want you to just simply say, God, thank you for. Let's actually say that all together. God, thank you for. Uh, but something's missing, isn't it? You got to fill in the blanks. Just pray right now. Out loud, say, God, thank you for, and thank him for three or four things. Just do it. It's too quiet in here. He's been too good for you to offer him nothing but silence. Come on, just say it. God, thank you for, and say something. God, I mean, do, do you have the understanding, right, that he, every good and perfect gift has come from him? God, thank you for my house. God, thank you for my car. God, thank you for my legs that work. God, thank you for my brain that's alive. God, thank you for my, my wife, my husband. God, thank you for the business you've helped us start. I mean, say it. God, thank you for it. Come on, not so silent right now. Work it out. God, thank you. This is what we've got to do is give him our, our gratitude, thanking him for what he's done. And now, put your mind on what's positive. Just choose something positive. Whatever is excellent, admirable, praiseworthy, think on these things. You've been fantasizing about this thing over here or nursing thoughts about that grudge over there. 
you don't have room for that. You don't, you don't need to be sucking up gravel. Put your mind on what's positive right now. Choose that excellent thing. Just get a vision of it in your mind. And just simply say, as you see that thing, just say, I see it. <laughs> and that's your go-to. And you can add to that. That's your go-to. You just mentally, you say, that's what I'm going to put my mind on. Instead of this and instead of that. Okay, everybody, what we've been doing right now, this is life. This is recalibration. This is letting God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You need more than three minutes at the end of a church service, though. This needs to become something that we live into. So tomorrow morning, you put yourself in your car 10 minutes before you usually would. You sit there in your car for 10 minutes and kind of take the notes maybe from today and work through it. It's as important as eating your broccoli and going to the gym. <laughs> <laughs>